Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. We invite you into this this time, this moment of your word. And Lord, we know that you're here and we sense your presence in worship and we know that you're healing and you're touching and you're changing lives even as we just invite your presence into this place. And Lord, I just pray right now for every single person here, Lord, every family here, every single represented here, God, in Jesus' name, whatever they're carrying right now, we take that, we give it to you. And we trust you, Lord. We trust you with all of our heart. We lean not into our own understanding. We acknowledge you in all our ways. And we ask you, God, make our path straight. We ask you, give us favor, Lord. Give us favor. Put your favor on us. Look at us with favor and move in our lives and fix our problems and help our issues, God, and make us who we need to be, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Man, I just received the peace of the Lord this morning. Amen. How about you? I want to read, I want to, we're going to wrap up our series today. It's called The Most Important Thing. We've been talking about it the last four weeks, and this is the last, this is the last message in that series, the last installment. And today I want to talk to you around the subject, won't you be a neighbor? Won't you be a neighbor? Y'all remember, y'all remember, what was his name? Ms. Rock? Yeah, Mr. Rogers. Good. Everybody knew that. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You remember him? You remember all the things he talked about? Well, we're going to talk about some of those things today. And so let's read the scripture. This is our text for our series, Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. It'll go up on the screen. Everyone read it with me. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now read with me Romans chapter 13, verse 8 through 10. Let no doubt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Let's read that again. Love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Amen. God's word is good. Amen. All right. You can be seated. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're looking good today. Everybody on this side seems to believe that. You guys are having struggles over here. Turn to them and say, you look like you lost weight. Your New Year's resolutions are working. A few years ago, I was about 20, 21. What was that giggle about? What you want me to say? A whole ton of years ago, I was about probably 20, 21, and I was youth pastoring in a city called Mogi, Oklahoma. And uh, there was a gentleman there that everyone in town was afraid of. And uh, 
he's, his name was Bear. So if that tells you anything, that's just what everybody called him, Bear. And Bear was, he was a, he was, I don't know, I don't know if he actually belonged to a motorcycle gang, but he fit the bill if he didn't. He rode motorcycles, he was big, he had a huge beard, he was covered in tattoos. Now you have to understand, all of that wasn't culturally normal in that time. That was a long time ago. There were still some dinosaurs roaming around. And, uh, and so, so in that time, in that uh, time, he was just a rough character. And I was this young pastor just wanting to be a good youth pastor and wanting to do my best. And I just, I just began to hear when I would get in prayer, the Lord would just kind of impress me, you need to go invite Bear to church. Now, I, I would always say, you know, I would always be truly spiritual deeply mature, ready to say, I'm absolutely not going to invite Bear to come to church. Uh, because because it, he was just such an ominous figure. And I just didn't want to go see him. I didn't want to be around him. He scared, he scared me. I'm not ashamed to say it. I was frightened of Bear. And I just remember going by his house one day. Somebody told me where he lived, and I went by his house and and he had these pit bulls that roamed the entire yard. And they had roamed the entire yard. There was no grass in the yard. It was just dirt and pit bulls. And then, and then you went up on the porch and then, you know, went into his house. But, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I was making all kinds of issues. Well, I'd go talk to him. I'd go share the gospel with him. I'd go invite him to church. But there's no way. I couldn't get through those pit bulls to get to his door. There's no way. I'm not even trying that. God, you'd have to, you know, this ain't Daniel in the lion's den. Come on, Jesus. I mean, what are you expecting from me? And so I would put it off and I would put it off. And, and finally, finally, I got under such deep conviction. The Holy Spirit just moved on my life. And I, I got to a stop sign one day, headed towards my house, and his house was between my job and the house, but in uh, my house. And so I was driving down the road, and I stopped at a stop sign. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where the Holy Spirit just really gets on your business. I mean, he just really starts convicting you and saying, you know what I've told you, you know you need to do this. And I mean, I'm literally so convicted, feeling so guilty, sweats popping out of my head. And I'm like, I, I just don't want to do it. It scares me to think about no one else. Why don't you send somebody? My pastor's a good man. Send my pastor to bear. And finally, I just said, you know what? What's the big deal? I'm going to go talk to bear. So I go over to bear's house and I, I get out of my car, and, 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 and in the front yard where I was expecting these, these, these uh, dogs to be, they weren't there. I don't know if he had them pinned up. I don't know if they were in the back. I don't know what was going on, but they weren't there. And I was like, oh, that's good. Maybe that's a sign from the Lord. <laughs> you know, God's protected me already. So I, uh, there must be some great miracle going to happen. I mean, this is going to be unbelievable. Bear's going to fall to his knees and accept Jesus. There's going to be a testimony all over the city. It's going to be awesome. God's already doing this. And so I, I get it, go up in the yard. I get up on the porch. And when I get to the to the top step, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm still like, should I do this? And I, I don't know. And so I finally, I knock on the door very trepidatiously and a, a guy comes to the door that's not bear, but he looks exactly like bear. And I'm thinking in my mind, there's two of them living here. <laughs> and so I just say to the guy in a very sheepish voice with, you know, trembling, 
I, I'm like, uh, sir, um, I, I'm the youth pastor at, at Crosstown Church, and man, I, 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 just, I just wanted to invite y'all to come to church. And uh, he looked at me for a minute. He stepped back where I could see through his screen, bare like a king sitting in his recliner way back in the living room. And that guy said, do we want to go to church? And he said, no. And he slammed the door in my face. There was no big ending. God, you sent me over here, scared me to death, and nothing happened. This was supposed to be like a miracle. This was, I mean, his life was supposed to be changed forever. And the Lord spoke to me on my way to my house, just impressing my heart. This wasn't for him. This was for you. And I'll tell you this, this is the absolute truth from that moment to this. I have no fear about talking to anybody about anything, anywhere. Simply because God was trying to change me to stop disqualifying people to whom I could be a neighbor. To stop letting things and thoughts and attitudes and ideas keep me from being everything I could be for God and to people. And we have to understand that, th that, that this is a very important thing to Jesus. I mean, this is very important. This whole series, we've been talking about the most important thing. What is the most important thing? What, it is, what is it? What is the most important thing? Now, I don't know if Bear got saved later. I don't know if he came to Jesus. I don't know if he looked at my bravery of coming to see him and said, man, that young person was brave. I'm going to go give my life to Jesus. I don't know if that happened. But here's what I do know. It changed me. Because I was willing to change the way I thought. Now, when they came to Jesus, they asked him a question. They asked him, what is the most important law? Jesus was being asked this by a lawyer who honestly was trying to trip him up. They were constantly trying to get Jesus to say something that would cause the whole crowd to be offended at him. And, and then, he, then they would be able to destroy him, stop his ministry, get him to quit Whatever the case may be, this is what they were trying to do. They were literally trying to forcefully cause him to quit, to give up, to stop. They, they wanted this, what they considered to be heresy, to stop. And so this lawyer came to him and he said, what's the greatest commandment? And, and Jesus answers him. He says, he says, the greatest commandment is this. The most important thing you could do, the very most important thing you need to know in your life is this. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. That's the most important thing, which we've been talking about the last three weekends, and we understand what that means. It means God's first, period. It means God loves us. He gave himself for us. Therefore, we should live our life for him. That before anything else before anything else is more important God is most important before we put anything else family members friendships careers whatever it is all of those things should be flowing from our relationship with God not in place of our relationship with God and we've learned a lot of practical things about how to do that day to day but I want to draw your particular attention to this idea this concept Jesus says something he wasn't asked they said, what's the greatest commandment? And he tells them what the greatest commandment is. He, they, were, they did not ask him what's the second greatest commandment. But he felt compelled to tell them what the second greatest commandment was. He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength was the greatest commandment. 
And then he said, the second one is like it in that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So here's what God is saying. Jesus is saying that it's very, very, very important to love and worship him. But akin to that importance is the importance of you loving other people. Now, if Jesus thinks it's important, we should think it's important. Are you with me? If Jesus says this is one of the most important things you could do, I want to know what that is, and I want to know how to do that. Because it's very important. Now, I will tell you that in, in this wonderful place called um, Canyon, Texas, which I love so much with my heart, and this area, this Amarillo area, this West Texas area, you know what I love about this place? Uh, there's a lot of things to love about it. How many agree there's a lot of things to love about it? A lot of things that other people like to hate about it are the things we love about it. How many agree? It's kind of like your spouse. Sometimes your spouse does little quirky things, and when you first got married, you're like, oh, it bugs me. Really don't like it. And other people don't like it. But later, as you grow in your relationship with your spouse, those little quirky things, they become cute to you. You think that's not true. I'm telling you, I've been married 34 years. She thinks I'm cute. I don't care what y'all say. But the thing I love about West Texas is this spirit of neighborhood. This, this spirit of, I'm going to help somebody next to me. But I just want to be honest with you. We don't necessarily always look at it appropriately. We don't look at it right. We don't look at it biblically. We, we look at it from a civic place. We look at it from a place of friendliness, but we don't really take it to the depths of where God has called us to go in terms of our understanding of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the way to understand what it means is this. It, 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 Jesus told a story. I love, it. I love how Jesus, Jesus was just a master communicator. He was an unbelievable communicator. He could, he could say things in a way that would just grab your attention. And, and I mean, just look at the way he called the disciples. The disciples were, were men. The first disciples that he called were fishermen. They, that's what they did for a living. They were, they were commercial fishermen. That's how their family made their living. And Jesus came and preached in front of them and then invited them to come and follow him. And what did he do? How did he invite them to come and follow him? He made following him and going after the things of God analogous to fishing. He just knew how to communicate in a way that would grab your mind and grab your heart. And that's exactly what he does here. He tells a story. Because the reason he tells the story is because the lawyer, this lawyer who is trying to trip him up, this lawyer who knew so much, this lawyer who is wanting him to share some massive intellectual knowledge, which he does, by the way, and the lawyer admits it. He says, you have answered wisely. But then when he says, you should love your neighbor as yourself... The, 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 the lawyer all of a sudden realizes, how he realizes, I don't know, but he realizes, I am not a good neighbor. And the Bible says, in order to excuse himself, he asked Jesus a question. Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells a story. And the story he tells is one of the best stories, best parables in the Bible. 
because he communicates it in such ways, but it has such layers and such depth that we don't see on the surface. But Jesus says there was a man who was on a trip and he gets, he gets robbed. Some robbers attack him. They rob him of his goods. They beat him half to death. They leave him laying in the street. So here's a man who was on his way to Jerusalem. So he was a Jew and he was going to do business and he's caught on this road. He's robbed. He's knocked out. He's left for dead. He's beaten. He's bruised. Everything he had has been taken. Jesus heading, talking to a lawyer, a, a Levite, a, a person of the law in J the Jewish community, he's, he begins to tell the story. He said, so this man was left for dead. And, and, and one day, a Levite came by and saw him. That day that he was laying there half dead, a Levite came by and saw him. And when he saw him, he looked at him and he said, Man, that's too much trouble for me. He, he saw him laying there. He saw his problem. He saw his issue. And he said, I'm not messing with it. I'm, I've got too much to do. I, I can't be caught up with this. It's too inconvenient. It's too much. I'm just going to go and do what I need to do. And besides that, if I touch him, it's going to make me unclean because there's blood and there's problems here. And then I'll have to go through the process of becoming clean again so I can even just do my job that I do. The priest comes by then after. After the Levite leaves and doesn't do, the Levite, the one who knows the word, the one who studies the word, he's so religious and he's so pious, yet he doesn't even realize that his piety should be evoking compassion and causing him to help. But instead, he just walks away. And then the priest comes by and the same reasoning and the same problem and the same issue, and he goes by. And then there's a man that comes by. And we all know him. We don't know his name, but we all know him as what? The Good Samaritan. Now, we call him good because he did something good. He did something good. But it's not just that we should know that he's good, but we also need to know he was a Samaritan. Because you have to understand, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. Jews saw the Samaritans as a mixed breed. They didn't feel like they worshipped right. They didn't feel like they knew the truth. They didn't feel like they were the right ones. And so they had this conflict. They wouldn't even talk to each other. You remember when Jesus went to the well and he talked to the woman at the well in John chapter 4? That was a Samaritan woman. And she said, I can't believe you, a Jewish man, are talking to me, a Samaritan woman. There was this conflict and what Jesus was showing, he was showing very, a, a, a lot of things, but he was reframing the question. And sometimes that's what we need to do. Sometimes we need to change our perspective. Sometimes we think certain things are important and they're not. Sometimes we place massive importance on the things that people think. Sometimes we put massive importance on circumstances or situations. Sometimes our perceptions take us into a place that's negative and not good and will not get us to freedom or forgiveness or doing what God called us to do or living out the will of God. And sometimes we need to reframe the way we think. And so Jesus, instead of directly answering this lawyer's question, he tells him a story and reframes the way he thinks. He says, who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And, and what he's implying is, is it 
proximity. Is, is a proximity, does that make him my neighbor? How close is he to me? Is he geographically close to me? Is he ethnically close to me? Is he socioeconomically close to me? Is the person that I am to be a neighbor to, is this the person? Who is it? Who is it? Is it proximity? Is that the issue? And why, why he was answering that is because somehow he knew. And somehow he's trying to excuse himself because he wasn't being a good neighbor. And Jesus clarifies him, and then he reframes the question. Here's what Jesus says. Instead of asking the question, who's my neighbor, you should be asking, who can I be a neighbor to? Now, you may not think that's a big deal, but think about the difference in thinking there. Think about the difference in saying, who's my neighbor and who can I be a neighbor to? There's a huge, massive difference. There's a huge gap between saying, I'll excuse myself from truly being a neighbor because I believe my neighbor are only those who are connected to me by proximity. My people around me, my people in my community, my people that are like me. But the truth is, that's not what Jesus was saying. And by the story, he clarifies it so much that you can't miss it. So the question then becomes to us today, if the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and out of that flows the second most important thing, love your neighbor as yourself, and even in some parts, Jesus says, you should love others as I have loved you. Now, now think about that standard for a moment. It's one thing to love others. It's another thing to love others as you've been loved by Jesus. That's a whole different standard. Come on, y'all. What? Give me this, a little bit of head nod if you understand the difference. Come on, at least let me know you're still awake, okay? So how do we do that? How do we practically do what Jesus is saying? And really, I think it's not necessarily just thinking different. I think we don't just have to start thinking some things differently. I think we have to stop thinking some things that we've been thinking. So how? Well, the first way you do it is be intentional about loving your neighbor. So then if you're going to be intentional about loving your neighbor, you have to understand what love is. Love is not emotion. Love is not a feeling. Love evokes emotion. It evokes a feeling. But love itself is not either of those things. Love is an action. Love is a, a, a step of compassion. Love is a, the ability to do something good for that person. Love really, if you want to know what love really is, it means to defer. It means to pick someone before yourself. It means to think of them before you think of you. It means to care for them before you care for you. I, I talked, uh, read, after a, I read after a psychologist just the other day that was saying, they asked him, what do you tell people to do when they're truly in the depths of depression? Do, do you just medicate them? Do you give them counseling? Do you, he said, I do, I, I do therapy with them, and here's what I tell them to do. You need to find some people to do something good for. You need to get your attention off of you and put Put your attention on someone else. The truth is we've got to learn to be intentional. And what are we being intentional about? Love. We're being intentional about love. Listen, we need to learn how to love others like Jesus loved us. And the starting place is to love them like you want to be loved. Right? That's the golden rule. Everybody say it with me. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's not a chimney corner scripture. That's something Jesus said. 
How many agree it'd be pretty good to do something Jesus said? Raise, okay. How many of you, your arms work? <laughs> just check it. Just check it. So we have to be intentional about loving our neighbor. So first we have to identify our neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Secondly, we have to consider our neighbor's situation. Thirdly, we have to make a decision to help. And fourth, we have to take steps of action. You know, who is my neighbor? Well, if you take Jesus' story and you apply it to you personally, here's what you see. You see, my neighbor is the person who needs my help. Full stop. Let's marinate that just a minute. Let's think about that just a minute. That stretches us, does it? That the, the inconvenience of that is a stretch. The, the outside the comfort zone feeling of that statement is hard. Because you think about all the things you've got going in your life. How do I have time to be a neighbor? Well, let me just say, if you don't have time to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength... And if you don't have time to love your neighbor as yourself, you have your time allotted inappropriately. Time is our greatest commodity. Not money. Time. Ask somebody who's dying if they'd rather have money or time. And what will they tell you? Time. Because they know money can't fix their problem. But they'd like to have some more time with their family. Do you understand what I'm saying? Time is the greatest commodity we have. What will we do with that time? And if our time allotment does not allow us to do the two most important things Jesus says that we should do, then we have to reschedule our time. Somebody say amen. And we have to make a decision to help, and then we have to help. I know a lot of us, especially in the church world, there's a lot of talk about helping people. But you have to actually do it for it to count. Somebody say amen. Like you can't just say, I'm going to, I'm going to. How many of y'all say that quite often? This is the first of the year. We all did New Year's resolutions. I, I didn't. I don't know if any of you did. But if you did, a lot of us will say things like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. I hate those words, I'm going to. Because what it basically means is I'm going to wait for a while and then not do it. Right? And that's how sometimes spiritually we do. Yes, I'm going to do this. It's a good thing to do. We should do it. We should. We should do it. It's something a Christian should do. But do we do it? We have to decide we're going to do it. And we have to decide and take a step of action to do it. And in order to do that, we have to identify who our neighbor is. We have to consider their situation. The second thing is you have to understand that your neighbor is a person who needs your help. Someone you can show mercy to. Someone who motivates a deep compassion on the inside of you. Listen, this is not something Jesus didn't show us. Come on, let's be honest. Jesus showed us this, right? He did show us this. How many times did Jesus heal somebody because the Bible, before he healed them, it said he was moved with compassion. It, there's a word, uh, I, I'm going to butcher it in the Greek, but it's splenched zamahi, and it means, it means to, from the innermost gut, it means from your bowels. It's the study, that word, we derive the study of the bowels from that word. It, it's this deep feeling of, I, I, I cannot not 
help. I have to help. And when we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, it motivates a compassion in us that when we see someone who needs help, we cannot sit idly by and not help. Are you with me? So we have to understand our neighbor is a person who needs that help, and it's someone we can show mercy to motivated by deep compassion. We have to ask, what does it take for me to notice a neighbor? Well, well, there are several things, and I've already talked about one, but one is you've got to slow down enough to notice them. You have neighbors at your work. Not just by proximity, but people who need your help. They need your encouragement. They need your strength. They need your edification. You've got people around you in your family who need your help. Come on, somebody. You've got, you've got people on your business that, in your business that, you, that need your help. You've got people who go to school with that need your help or you're teaching in school that need your help. Or, or, or if you're an administrator in education, you've got teachers that need you and need your help. Are you with me? So what does it take for us to notice our neighbor? Well, what it takes is first slowing down enough to actually notice. How many times do we pass each other by and we say something very familiar? Everybody know what this is? Everybody know what it is? It's the way we say hi in West Texas. Anybody know? That was really West Texas, but how you doing? Now, isn't it interesting that when we say how you doing, we don't really mean how you doing. We mean hi. Because if we really meant, how are you doing, we would stop and listen to see how they're doing. Maybe we should ask, I had a pastor one time that I was really going through a hard and difficult season of my life, and he took me out to eat. I don't know, the Lord just kind of let him know I was in trouble, and I just was struggling, and I was a pastor myself, and we just were having a hard time in ministry, and he called me, he said, let's go eat, and we went to eat, and we sat down, and, 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 and Janae and I were there, and he said, how's it going? And I said, oh, it's going great. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, it's going great, man. We couldn't be doing better. God is just moving. God is doing. God is. And as if he didn't even hear me talking, he looked at Janae and said, how's it really going? And she said, it's horrible. He, don't, he doesn't have any sleep. He's not doing well. He's not doing any of that stuff he just said. That's all a bunch of baloney. And let me just tell you, I didn't feel very neighborly towards my wife at that moment, I'll tell you that. But a lot of times, we don't see, I don't, I don't even want to say this, but the truth is, a lot of times we don't see because we don't want to see. Because then it requires something. And we have to be willing to inconvenience ourselves. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable. We have to be willing to be awkward. You know, I have people tell me all the time, you know, I really feel like man, God's dealing with me to talk to this person or God's dealing with me, but it's so awkward. And, 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 then, the, and then they'll get in this argument, and I know if you've followed Christ for very long, you've had this argument with yourself. It's like, is this me or is this God? Can I just set you free from that? If it's good, doesn't matter. Why would, why would God be upset with you if you did something that was good for somebody, whether he specifically told you to do it or not? Amen? So understand that we have to be willing, we have to be uncomfortable sometimes, sometimes we even have to be awkward to affect change in someone's life, and Jesus says it's the most, second most important thing. 
Because, he says, every other part of the law, anything else that you want to be good in your life, every bit of that is covered under love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, think about what he says. The third thing is proximity, sameness, society, culture, ethnicity, spiritually, spirituality has nothing to do with being a neighbor. I'm going to say it again. Proximity, sameness, society, culture, ethnicity, spirituality has nothing to do with being a neighbor. The good Samaritan had literally nothing in common with the man laying in the street. Literally nothing in common. And I hear people all the time, well, I can't reach out to this person who's addicted because I've never been addicted. Well, Jesus was never addicted, and he saved the whole world. Are y'all with me this morning? We, ha- we think we have to be able to relate in some way. No, you just have to love. You just have to have compassion. You just have to have mercy to care about somebody who needs care. Are you with me this morning? Proximity, sameness, all these things, they do not factor into being a neighbor. Remember, we're not qualifying who our neighbor is. We're qualifying who can we be a neighbor to. The fourth thing is, where does your neighbor, excuse me, where does your neighborhood start and end? Where does your neighborhood start and end? You say, man, this is a really practical message and it's not really super spiritual. I want you to tell me something that's going to lift me up out of my seat. I'm going to say it again. These are the two most important things Jesus said. If it's the most important thing, then it's super, super spiritual. Are you with me? You want to live your life in that place of miracles? You want to live your life in that place of openness to God? You want to live your life under that anointing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Listen, this is how you do it. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So where does your neighborhood start and end? The first place it starts is the family of believers. You say, no, the believers are supposed to be reaching out. No, no, no. It starts here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul writing to the church at Galatia. What does he say? Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So where we start to be a neighbor is right here in this house. I'm going to talk a little bit about this next week on Vision Weekend, but I'm just going to tell you right now, stop acting like cattle. You're not cattle. Like, well, that was offensive, and I need you to explain that. Stop coming and going in this house like you don't know anybody or like you don't want to. There are people sitting down the row with you. Some of you who have been married for 30, 40 years, there are young people, young married sitting down the row from you that need you to speak into their life. There are older folks in this, 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 this church that are struggling because their kids have moved away and they need someone young in their life bringing encouragement and bringing strength to them. 
We all need each other to edify one another. The whole purpose of the church, the ecclesia, to be called out from the world, but is also to be gathered together in unity and harmony to build one another up. This is why the Apostle Paul said, or whoever it was that wrote Hebrews, said this, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some have. As, as, even more so, you should get together as you see the day of Jesus Christ's return approaching and if you do that, you will edify one another. You will strengthen each other. You will equip each other. You will help each other. So start, your neighborhood starts in the body of Christ, in the seats next to you, in the small group, in the meetings together, doing life together, walking together, living together, loving together. Your community starts here. The second thing is, the second. where's, where's the second start of my neighborhood? To all people. I can't be a neighbor to all people. The idea, though, is to be observant of your world and to know that there's someone in your world that needs a neighbor. It might be your neighbor, your physical neighbor. It might be a friend that you've just met. It might be someone you don't know that just you see them and you just know something's not right. I can't tell you the times. Literally, I cannot tell you the times. I cannot enumerate the times that I've been in a restaurant or in a store or in a, a place of business that I just saw someone and went, I just felt like God gave me compassion for them and just I could see on their face, not some kind of spiritual weird thing, but I could just see on their face something was not okay. And go up to them and just say, I don't say, how's it going? I say, are you okay? And I can't tell you the times that people just don't even know me. Just tears start running down their face. No, I'm not okay. I'm not. There's a lot of people around you after all we've gone through that are like that, and they're not telling you. They're not telling you. They're not saying it. But they need a neighbor, and they need a neighbor bad. And, and visibly, if you could see this, you may, they may not look like this, but inside, they're laying in the street half dead. They've lost everything. Their heart is broken. And they don't know what they're going to do. And all they need is for a neighbor, a Christian, a believer to say, Are you okay? Are you okay? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, the way you are a neighbor to all is to let the goodness of God shine through you. And when they see that, they will be attracted to you when they need help. And that's the fact. You know, one time when I felt like someone was like that, there was a woman, at a, she was a cashier at a, at a department store. And I just, I just saw in her face something's not right. And I walked up to her and I said, are you okay? And she said, no, I'm not okay. Something's not right. I don't feel right with my heart. She was having a heart attack. And I went over and got the manager, and I said, something's not right with this cashier. You need to do something right now. And they called an ambulance and got her out there. Listen, I know that's a physical thing, but let me tell you something. That, that could have saved her life. The, the question is, do we notice? The question is, are we going to be like the Levite who says, ah, I've got too much to do and I've got a role to play? Are we going to be like the priest that says, ah, I'm too holy for that. I can't be touched by the unclean thing. 
Or are we going to say, look, I'm a good Samaritan. I'm going to emulate my good Samaritan, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to get down in this street and I'm going to get the oil out and I'm going to begin to pour it in the wounds. And I'm going to get the word out and I'm going to declare the word. I'm going to take this person, put them on my own donkey and take them to a house of safety. And I'm going to get them in that house and I'm going to take care of their bill and I'm going to make sure they're taken care of. That's what the good Samaritan did in that story. And let me just let you in on a little secret. What Jesus was talking about is what he was about to do for all mankind. Your good Samaritan's name is Jesus and he saved you from sin. The last two things are this. People you don't know. The Samaritan did not know the man who needed help, but he treated him like family. And the last one, I've got to hurry. And this, you're not going to like this one. I don't like it. That's not good for the preacher to say you don't like something in the Bible. Let me say it better this way. This is hard. The last one, the last part of your neighborhood is to people who've made themselves your enemy. This is not something we want to hear right now, especially as divided as things are, especially as vitriolic as people are to one another now. If you don't believe that, just go take a trip and see how ugly people are in interaction to each other. Believers, there's no room. There's, listen to me. There's no room for that in a believer's life. I don't care what your justification is. There is no room for that. But you don't know how people have heard. There is no room for that. Your neighborhood includes people who've made themselves your enemy. Well, how do, how do you, how do you, really, I don't believe that. God doesn't want me to sit by and let, read the Bible. <laughs> Everybody say amen. Even if you don't agree, say amen. Set you free. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36 in the NIV, it says this, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do, it to, uh, do unto others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting it back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind. He is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. I know we joke about it. Well, I'll give him one cheek and then I'll give him another. But after that, it's on. That's not Bible. It's cute, but it's not the Bible. Jesus died on a cross. The very people who yelled, Hosanna, Hosanna, a week later, yelled, crucify, crucify. 
And one of the last phrases he said on the cross was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, you don't understand my situation. I feel certain, even though it may be incredibly bad, you haven't been crucified. He is our model of neighbor. And he is saying to us, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow my commandments, which we should, if we want to do those 10 things, then they are encapsulated where? In love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. I want God to give us new eyes. I want God to reframe our question. Not, who's my neighbor? But to whom can I be a neighbor? And I want harmony and unity and love to start flowing from believers again like it used to. And that we look at people who would, Jesus didn't just say, don't get mad at those who are mean to you. Jesus said, if people are ugly to you, take an active step to do good to them. Oh, pastor, you way out of my league. I'm way out of everybody's league. I'm way out of my league saying that. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to empower us to live the Word of God like He told us to live. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray real quick. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church Podcast.